0: I think uh, everyone's going to be in for a, a pretty awesome treat here if they tune into this episode. Paul uh, went into a completely kind of different topic than just the financial aspect that we had asked him to come on and, and talk about today. He really drew, dove uh, much deeper into a mindset and something that would apply to any aspect of life, not just finances. So I think if you listen to this episode, you'll really enjoy listening to um, what Paul has done throughout his life and how he's applied that different mindset uh, to different um, times in his life. So one of the big takeaways that I had, though, from today uh, and Paul talking was it's not about you. Um, so I'll just leave it kind of
1: at that and and please listen to the episode and you're going to hear a lot more about it. Yeah, that's so powerful, Dave. I, I think <clears throat> I, I can't really add much. The thing about it, it's not about you and, and how he kind of expanded on that it was eye-opening to me because the thing that you and I talk about with leading teams and looking out for our teams, wanting them to be healthy, want your business to be healthy, one of the key things you have to think about is what's the next guy after me? Going, how's he going to receive what my product or service or whatever? Even, so, if it's your teammate, you know you're you're the guy uh, doing this process. The next guy's the packaging guy. Then you got the shipping guy. You know, if you think about those people instead of thinking about yourself, that whole process is is far better. So. Yeah. That and some of the other things he expanded on that, I just want our listeners to be able to kind of absorb. It's going to be great. And hopefully we will have him for a round two and we can kind of unpack each of those concepts. Yeah, It'll be a lot of fun. So um, enjoy the episode uh, today with uh, Paul Magnus.
0: Thank you for uh, joining us on another episode of Healthy Team, Healthy Business. Today we have Paul Magnus, a good financial friend and, and life guru joining us here today. Um, I'll let Paul kind of briefly let everyone know what he does or, or who he is and kind of a little bit more to the, the story here so we can dive into some good questions and topics. I know we're going to go over today.
2: Good stuff. Uh, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Dave, for bringing me here today. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Appreciate what you guys are doing for the community and the airwaves out there, anybody else who's jumping on board here. Um, you know, just uh, two, two seconds about me. Uh, number one, uh, I'm an imperfect follower of Christ. And uh, which then brings me to the number two most important thing is my wife, Molly, uh, wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am without her and her support. And then three, uh, a father and a husband and a coach and a leader. So uh, that's kind of those are my priorities in life. Don't always follow them. Um, you know, not perfect by any means Always learning. Today's a new day, and hopefully we can learn and share some insights from what we've experienced and what I've experienced, and, uh, and share that with everybody. Sounds good. Well, let, let's let's dive into that kind of first question of, you know, how do we approach finances with our teammates, our family, friends, you know, and our coworkers, right? And so my philosophy on that is it's all about the psychology. I call it the psychology of the trade, and trading, that's that's what it's all about. And there's two, thing that, two things that drive that, and that's fear and greed, right? Those two human emotions drive all trading, and ultimately, they drive our financial mindset, period. So we'll get to that. How do we kind of approach that with our employees? But what I thought today, what I would dive into is really the psychology behind it. And one of the first questions that I ask people as they say, what do you want? And they say, well, Paul, I want to be rich or I want a family. Uh, I said, I want to be, you know, the biggest nonprofit in the Shenandoah Valley or whatever it may be. And so once they tell me what they want, I ask them, you need to give it. And I tell them that if you want money, you need to start by giving away money. Right. Mm -hmm. It's simply put. Right. And, And these go back to the laws of the universe, which I'm about to touch on. But if you want love. You need to give love. If you want to be forgiven, you need to forgive. It's as simple as that. The problem is human human emotions get in the way, right? And we just completely excel exon- over top of that. So one of the one of the best books I like to read and I have to underline this regularly is a book called The Purpose-Driven Life. And the first yeah. first line of the book is it's not about you. And and ultimately life's not about us. And as a father, it took me almost 35 years to realize that growing up and then realizing I have the honor to be a father. And then all of that offers, None of the, nothing in my life is about me. It's about the next generation. And it's about teaching them some of the skill sets that we can give them to steer them in the right direction, to avoid the pitfalls, to constantly be learning. And if we don't realize that early on, then nothing means anything. It's simply put to me. That's what my belief is. So, purpose-driven life is definitely a core uh, driver in my life. Again, never, never a perfect solution for me, um, but I, I, I failed every day. But it's something to strive for. So, when we dive into money, I always say, "Why do we have the certain money habits we have? Why are Why are we acting this way with money?" And I always go back and I and I. I remember as a kid, I wanted to be a psychiatrist at one point. Why I don't know, you know. <laughs> but but I, I did, and I was like, oh, I know why, because my I, the psychiatrist doctor that I knew drove a Porsche. <laughs> so, always gets back to the money. So there you right. go, right? Uh, but but in all honesty, you know, we ask ourselves, why do we have these these habits, right? And it, and a lot of this is our upbringing, right? It's all about what we were exposed to in early age, right. And as I mentioned, money is about fear and greed, right? Those are, the, those are the most important things. So the key thing to ask is, you know, in talking to your teammates or employees or families and friends or, you know, what were some of your earliest experiences with money? You know, I look back on my own childhood. Uh, my earliest experiences with money were, yeah, you had your allowance. You budgeted that if you wanted to buy things on the weekend or whatever it may be. Um I opened up a little golf course in the woods to charge the kids fees to play. And my best friend who's, who's in New York City is an architect up there, and we talk about this all the time. It's called it was called the Roper Golf Course. And I think we made like 15 bucks. Yeah. But it was the point that, you know, look, we, we went out there and we are we're we're, 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 we're we're shaking it down. You know, and of course everybody remembers lemonade stands, you know. You know, my kids are doing those every year they do them. So those were some of those early impressions of money and you saw how one, you work towards it and you achieve it, you get the reward, right? And then the key thing where we, so many, you, all of us and myself included, uh, we fail because then we don't properly protect that asset. We, we spend it or we invest it unwisely uh, without seeking proper counsel. So one of these other things, you know, um, is about what type of games we played when we were younger, right? Um, My mom, I was the youngest of four. So I remember uh, in Germany, my dad was in the service, and I would come home from first grade, and my mom would play Monopoly with me uh, for one to two hours every afternoon before the big kids came home. And in my opinion, if you played Monopoly with some friends or family or or coworkers, watch how people play, Mm -hmm. and that's how they will live their life. My wife, God love her, I can always beat her monopoly because (laughs) when we play, she's not going to buy anything. She's going to hold on to her cash, Mm -hmm. right? And how does she live her life? She does not spend a dime, right? And thank God for that because she's a great balance to me. I'm a little bit more of a risk taker. Um, Myself, on the other hand, you know, I remember five, six years old, I would buy every single thing I landed on. If I couldn't afford it, I would mortgage it, and I just leveraged other people's money. That's all I did, right? And so you can say, well, well, maybe Paul, that's why you have some of those attributes today. Absolutely, right? And so we can still dive deeper into that and say, well, well, why does my wife have that conservative strategy? Well, guess what? Her father grew up extremely poor, fought for everything he had, became a service, was a coal miner, paid for all of her college with the hard earnings from the coal mine. Uh, and so he did not want to see a dollar wasted and uh, not spent appropriately. and. It, It's just amazing how important, if we don't get to know our employees, our teammates, and drill down to who they are, then we can't help them with their questions on how to better prepare in the financial world. Simply put, if we don't know who they are and their background, uh, truly deep down to the core, then there's just no point in continuing the discussion because everything else is superfluous, and we just glaze over it after the 10 minutes of fame of of a, a book that was recommended is fades off, right? That, that's just the reality of the world.
1: Can I ask you a question on, on that regard? D- do you think that it's true that many people kind of walking around out there don't have any idea of a financial picture of who they are and where they're going to go? Absolutely. Okay.
2: Yeah, I would say majority of Americans.
1: And then the people that do finally seek out someone like you, a professional counselor or coach, whatever you want to refer to it as, that's probably where you have to start with them identifying that, and is that it's probably a pretty big lift for some people. I would imagine. Yeah,
2: it is. Um, but it's also you know you, you can. If it's almost that same analogy as you, you, you want to teach them the fish, you don't want to give them right. fish, right? And we can only do so much more work, but they have to do that on their own, right? They've got to create that discipline. The number one thing in financial planning is, is cash flow, right? And in business, and all of that. Originates from the budget, and if people can't budget, then the cash flow doesn't exist, right? It all goes back, and, and we—I can do a million things to try to help somebody on a financial plan, but unless they budget, I, I'm unsuccessful, right? And so, I can only lead them so far. That has to be that—that that next step that they say, "Hey, you know what? I'm willing to do this. You know, take it to the next level, right?" Um. One of the other things, you know, looking back at my life, um, I was lucky. Um, my, my, uh, I, I didn't I didn't like come from money. Um, my father uh, worked hard for everything he had. He was in the service. Um, you know, he delivered, uh, he, he sold encyclopedias back in the day uh, to pay for grad school. Um, imagine that going door to door, selling encyclopedias, right? right? Um, and so what I did have though was the best role model model in my father right? and I grew up in a household with a post-depression era uh, mother uh, who was a disciplinarian she was a phenomenal household CFO uh, with the money that uh, my dad earned and uh, she also worked as a teacher and actually somebody in here may have been her student that's right <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was so so what's interesting is, is a good household. You can see is a lot of times the, the, the wife or one spouse has uh, a disciplined approach, and the other is a little more frivolous, if you will. Um, but I wouldn't classify my dad as frivolous, and what I'm getting to ultimately is he believed in the law of gratitude, and that is the foundation, in my opinion, of a successful financial plan, uh, no matter what, on what scale. And so, my father. believed in the law of gratitude, Um, and that's kind of what I want to touch base on as our theme today. So I didn't come up with this uh, document. It was fell in my inbox approximately 15 years ago from I don't even know who. I tried to go back and search for it, uh, never found it. Luckily, I printed it out that one day, Um, and it's free. It's free to anybody. Um, There's no copyright infringement on this. It's uh, by Wes Hopper. And it's about the astonishing power of gratitude. Most importantly, in, to our discussion is what are the laws of gratitude, and how do they affect our financial life? Right. So, I want we can kind of cue them towards finance, but more importantly, these are these are laws that um, if everybody would would abide by, it, society would be a much better place. Most importantly, right. So. Just to start off, I'm just gonna name them. Don't, don't spend any time dwelling on this because I really want to dive deep into them. But this is the one that gets most people, is there enough to go around? I can't make any more money because there's a finite supply in that. That thinking is just completely flawed, right? There's an infinite amount of supply of everything. It's a matter of how do we get to it, right? But if we believe it's a finite supply, we're done. It's, a, it's you, it just, just stop right there. There's no reason to continue. We, we need to change our thinking to see that abundance of supply rather than a scarcity. Number two is that we need to find the good in every situation to be thankful for, right? No matter what happens. Uh, I was coming home the other day and my truck had some technical problems and I was in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone, two hours from home. And it was a, obviously a wrench in my day of things I had to do. Um, so you just... You have to sit back and say, well, it is what it is, but, right, you don't just say it is what it is and then stop and give up. We say it is what it is and we say those are the facts. I can't get mad at that because that's reality. And then I need to keep my attitude in a positive mo- movement upwards to then embrace what's yet to come. And so lo and behold, uh, the tow truck driver, uh was 75 years old, uh, big burly man, and I get in in the tow truck with him and he drives me back to the dealership and um, what a wonderful conversation it was. Let's just put it at that, right? Um, Good hour and a half of just, you know, good felt, warm discussions that changed and uh, made me realize to be thankful for every situation. Number three is practice living in the moment and present and being grateful for what we have right now. Blessing what we have at all times. Number four is the biggest biggest problem in America, in my opinion, and, and that is the process of forgiving and expressing gratitude for everybody in your life, every situation that you had, good and bad. If we don't understand that concept of forgiveness, the cancer in our bodies that will cause us will ruin our lives and those around us, period. Right? Uh, unforgiveness is taking a pill and waiting for the other person to die, a poison pill, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just toxic to your body. Um, my father was so instrumental in, in teaching me about forgiveness. Um, you know, he was a World war uh, World war, uh, Vietnam veteran. And he was in the second bloodiest day of the Vietnam war, April 1st, 1970. And his position was overrun. I think there's two, uh, Medal of Honor recipients in his unit. Uh, he had a Purple Heart and Bronze Star, a bunch of other stuff. But the point of that battle was that he forgave his enemies immediately, right? He's like, hey, it is what it is. Those were the facts. That was a battle. It's over. You know, let's embrace and move on. And it was, it was, you know, as I got to know him more, every situation, every bad situation was quickly combated with the power of forgiveness. And so in America, we look at what we're facing today on social media and every other outlet, whether people agree or disagree, there's zero forgiveness. And that's my biggest issue with society right now. And it's it's tragic. And it's not forgiveness, the thing about forgiveness is not just a religious thing, right? It's a universal uh, gift that we fail to comprehend. Um, the last one, and most importantly with this, is, is taking the action of giving. Uh, you just you demonstrate your gratitude for what you have. You give everything you want in life, right? Uh, there's some phenomenal uh, stories of this one individual. He said, uh, hey, I want to I I give money away, right? And um, what he started doing, he started with $2 million. He says, I'm going to give away, you know, I'm just going to start writing checks, right? 20 years later, he had $30 million because people came to him and said, hey, this is the guy that gives money to the right places, right? And so it just compounded on him. And he's like, hey, this, this is what's working. So if I could, um, do I need to pause? Yeah, no, man. What I wanted to kind of <laughs> to jump into is really expand on a couple of these five principles of the law of gratitude. Uh, this, this first one, is there enough to go around, right? How we answer this question makes a huge difference. After all, if there's a limited supply of stuff and lots of people want it, then life is difficult, Making people believe this way, we call it scarcity or lack of thinking. It's hard to be grateful when there's not enough. You know, it also creates a negative uh, feedback loop when we try to fight other people. Oh, they have it; we don't. I have to take it from them, right? So it's a complete downward spiral that leads people into just combative thinking and ultimately never able to achieve their goals.
1: Can I ask you a question on that? Sir, sure. I hate to interrupt you again, but um, I'm just thinking in terms of kind of the average person, or you know, like like David and I work with you know kind of blue-collar level employees, and I'm, and I'm wondering if that's not the beginning of someone thinking they actually have financial problems when they might really not, only because they think that guy has something that I don't have, so therefore I'm, I'm somehow not doing as well as I should be. Right. And I'm wondering if that could be more of the root of the problem than an actual problem.
2: 100% agree. Right, is that and that's part of that education. The education, you know, financial education is not just about how to get wealth; it's understanding it, right? And, and it's like a needs analysis. But you know, you know, I'll blame social media too. Right, right. Yeah. You know, everybody's looking at Facebook or what have you, or uh, TikTok, and seeing people with cars or the trucks they may want. You know, uh, you know. personally, I, I don't like to, to label people blue collar, white collar, because in it, again, it, those are facts, but. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, I probably know more happier blue collar people than I do white collar people, <laughs> right? So they they know the key because yes, you're right. Is, is some you know, especially you know when they're more exposed to uh, society of, of of nicer things and other people having nice things, they may want those nice things. But uh, in reality, they have the core values that have brought them up thus far. And have enabled them to realize, you know, um, I'm content. I'm, I'm content with what I have. That doesn't mean they don't want to improve, right? It just means that that they know themselves better. What's led, in my opinion, what's led to the success of a lot of people is their insecurities, right? And that's a good thing or a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? The problem is if you know your insecurities, you can leverage them and. and Use them to your advantage, but then they can also eat away at you in your personal health. Right? <clears throat> so just kind of following up on this, this first law of gratitude. Um, how easy is it for everyone to be grateful when they think the universe is designed to make things tough for them, especially when their way of thinking keeps creating situations where they get, they, they, uh, get to be right about how tough it is? Let me show you how abundant the universe really is. Both science and spirituality tell you everything is made of the same original stuff. Science calls this energy. So how much stuff is it out there and how much more can we take? A recent survey of the cosmos said if you added up everything, there's only 4% of the available energy was used to make the entire universe. (laughs) Think about that. We can make 25 more universes out there. So this all comes back to uh, choosing a different way of thinking. We need to view things with an abundant supply and not be limited by our own mindset. Right. So, again, attitude is everything. Um, the second one is, is interesting, looking for the good in every situation. You know, like I expressed my situation, of my car breaking down and meeting the tow truck driver. Um, you know, a lot of times when when someone has taken our stuff, our money, our success, our love, our respect. We are we feel like we're victims. Right. And, and this is a big issue in society today, the whole victimology. The victimhood. This is all based on not enough thinking. How are you going to find any gratitude in a pile of shit like that, right? So this is where the non-resistance is important. Keep in mind that non-resistance does that mean does not mean that you have to be a doormat for anyone. It means that you don't argue with reality, right? What is is well, once. One of the greatest lessons I've learned in life, and it's just only as we get older, I think, we realize these things is, I tell my wife this all the time, once you know who they are, you can't get mad at it, right? If this if this employee over here always acts this way, you know, after every situation, yeah, maybe there's an underlying issue, but guess what? That's who they are, right? You know, 10 minutes later, they come back, and they're cool, and they apologize, or what have you. Well, guess what? All you need to do is wait 10 more minutes, and they'll come back and apologize, <laughs> Right? Because nothing you do is going to change them. It's about them, and that's helped me tremendously uh, in life, in in relationships, in with clients. Is you know, um, especially dealing with attorneys. You know, that's a joke for all those attorneys out there. <laughs> but once you know who they are, uh, you can't get mad at them. Um, every situation that looks bad has an equal amount of good. The problem is we don't look for it. That's why the news is addictive because everybody's focusing on the bad, right? I've always wanted to create uh, uh, the good news network, yeah. right? I think everybody does yeah. at some point has said. They never make it. They never <laughs> make it. A couple right? People will try <laughs> yeah. But if you, well, I guess right now what we have to do is just turn it off, yeah. right? So that's the first step, right? Uh, and, and then read. But what's interesting is in the markets, <clears throat> When every situation looks as bad, has an equal amount of good. So think about the stock market, right? It's crashing. Or, you know, think about what happened in March of 2020. The market went down 35%, right? Well, guess what? Everybody's doing what? Focusing on the negative. So the feedback loop is just spiraling out of control, right? When you finally get to that bottom, the, the, the response is equally as strong to the upside. Because then the good snowballs, right? We just, we just don't look for it right? And one of the things that, you know, human emotion we need to grasp hold of is that fear and greed component, right? If we're fearful, it's just a negative spiral. And so I used to be a a ski instructor in my former life and my uh, analogy, my uh, acronym for uh, fear to all new people taking ski lessons was fear stands for false evidence appearing real, right? And I said, don't go, don't, don't worry about that slope. We're not going down that steep one. We're going down this nice little you know, soft one over here. And they're like, Paul, oh, I'm so afraid. You know. <laughs> I said, look, why are you afraid? They're like, I don't know how to stop. I said, I'm gonna grab you, right? And you know, I said, look, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. You know how to do this. You just showed me you can stop over here, right? So look, let's get on with it. Let's get down those hills. Um so you know, just keep in mind what is is, we can't fight with that, right? So in finding the good in every situation, we need to be thankful. You know, think about the worst experiences in your life. Bankruptcy, losing a relationship, you know, failing out of school, uh, losing loved ones. Right. I guarantee if you go back and look, there was some good things during that time. There was something that you were able to grab hold of. But again, you never know at the time. But if we can change our mindset to slowly, slowly morph into a more positive approach to these negative consequences that are always going to happen in our lives, then we can really improve things. You know, think about like, you know, Navy SEALs going to SEAL school or, you know, military school or anything of those types of severity, you know, boot camp, right? You look back, I mean, it was horrible going through it. You thought it was the longest period of your life. And you look back and you're like, oh, those were the best days ever, (laughs) (laughs) right? You're like oh, I got to tell more stories about how tough it was back in the old days, right? Yeah, you know? but that's just it. That's that's the beautiful thing. So we've got to realize that as we get through these things, if life was just a smooth sail forward, you know, it would be it would be so bad and, and boring, and and we wouldn't learn anything about ourselves or the folks around us. You know, that's just that's just a sad reality. So we just have to look differently about these bad periods we go through. You know, in my job, when the markets drop 20 to 30 percent, you know, they're very painful, they're very emotional. uh, But guess what? There are opportunities, right? Some of the best times I've had, um, again, not realizing at the time, were during market declines of 20 to 30 percent, right? When I began in the market, the market dropped 80 percent from March of 2000 to March of 2003. It went straight down for three years. So there was nothing good to look at, but it it enabled me to kind of get to know who I was and then how to relate that to to my my customers. So, again, um, find the good in every situation. No matter how bad things are, find the good in it and it is there. Number three, practice living in the present and being grateful for what you have. I think we all fail at this one. I fail at this one every day. Right. You know, I've got four wonderful kids, an amazing wife, I have roof, I have food. Um, And then we complain about something. Right. And we look at the issues around the rest of the world and we say, you know, but my life is so more important. Now, remember that first line I said, it's not about you. Right. Um, But in terms of our employees, as we get to understand them and our friends and and our families, there's two differences here between being satisfied and being happy. Right. The government wants to be satisfied. They're going to give you a handout, right? You're satisfied. You can go buy your essential items, right? But are you happy, right? There's a massive difference in the two, right? Many people are satisfied but unhappy. I hate this crummy job, but it's the best I can do, so I'll stick it out to retirement, right? That's just not a way to live, right? So our jobs are to understand if certain individuals want to go to the next level Want to excel right there's always there, there's always leaders and followers right there, there's always doers and takers as I call them right and, and that's just what is right? you can't you can't argue that that's just that's who those people are right and it's, if you try to turn somebody into somebody they're not it's just the recipe for disaster so you know again they, they have them out there and you know they have a million of these um, employee or uh what do they call it? Myers Briggs?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Personality tests yeah. and all that
2: stuff. They're they're great, right. right? But what do we do? You do it Nothing. and you don't follow up. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that was so good. Remember we did that ten years ago? <laughs> did we learn anything from it? Right. No. no. You know, so we got to find a, maybe a different way to shake things up. You know, and so what I like to do with my team is uh, either go do something difficult, give back to the community together, do something with our families together um, those types of events to get to know one another better and to get to find and understand their personality makeup. So then you can hopefully lead them to a better place. And collectively we can help each other go to a better place. That's, that's the whole goal to lift one another up. Right. So that we're not just satisfied, but that ultimately we are happy. Um, and that's, that's, that's a hard thing. You know, I was having uh, coffee with one of my army buddies the other day and I, and I asked, I was telling him about this podcast coming up and I said, Hey John, uh, why do you think we are the way we are? And um, he says, well, I remember, and I, I only knew him from 1999 Ford, so I didn't know his childhood, but I had a pretty good guess because we're almost identical. And he said, look, you know, come home from school. You're outside building forts, playing guns, riding bikes, building ramps, playing in the creek. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it may be, you were inventing things, and you always wanted more, right? You wanted the next adventure. Right. Well, compare that to what kids are doing today. They're droned out on their phone. I mean, that's, that's the reality of where we are. And my f- concern is, yes, some of them are going to grow up to be great computer programmers in the next generation. There's no doubt about that. And their knowledge on the, on the technology is phenomenal. But do they have that creative energy to you know, continue society in the right direction? Because so many are just droning out in my opinion. And that's, that's a big fear. And so he and I, uh, when we were in the army, when we were getting out, we called it captain's time and we would meet at a Starbucks and complain of course about, you know, senior military and everything they were doing wrong and how we would do it better. Uh, you know, it's all good captains do in in the army, but, uh, we, I look back. Right. And so that group of guys, when we got out in 1999, 2000, the army lost some of the best officers i think it would have ever had and unfortunately we had a good economy at that time but um needless to say a lot did stay in and, and they did great things for our country but you know just of that core group uh, i had people work for nsa cia uh, amazon um and back and forth between the two right some going on to uh To work with, uh, you know, some 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 really high level things that have done great things for our country. So, uh, you know, that's that creative those creative juices, as I like to call them. That you got to find the origin of it. You got to leverage good relationships and brainstorm together to kind of take it to the next level. Um. So, if we're able to practice living in the present and being grateful for what we have right now blessing what we have, we have mastered the third step of the law of gratitude. Um, This is something we always hear, too, is when I get that job, when I get that raise, when I get that relationship or that house or the success, then I'll be happy. right. I've got bad news for you. Now is the only time you've got to be happy. Right. Because if you can't be happy now, you never will. And that's, again, I fail on that every day. I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to preach by any means. This is the reality of trying to understand our human nature and how to combat the, the negative forces that are there, right? And, and collectively, this law of gratitude, I believe are five easy principles that everybody can use at every level to combat the, the call the negative energy of the universe, right? That's exactly what it is, right? So that, that's, that's, that's number three. Um, number four is, is forgiveness, right? And that, personally, I believe, believe this is the biggest issue uh, in our society today is the lack of forgiveness. Look at, look at the political landscape. You know, it's horrific, right? You look at relationships. You look at, you know, the divorce rate, um, everything, business relationships, what have you, all right? It's all because of a lack of forgiveness, in my opinion. Again, I was lucky. My father uh, was a uh, perfect example of forgiveness from the war uh, to his ex-wife who left him while he was on a bed dying, uh, you know, and uh, overcame his wounds and, and did well and got back. But again, he never harbored uh, that negative energy. Right? He released it and said, I forgive you. Move on. Um, you know, the guy who cheated you on a business deal, that sister-in-law who never paid you back 50 bucks, that teacher gave you F, right? The ex-spouse who dragged you through the divorce, everything and anything. You basically, you know, I would, I would actually do this as an example is, is get your employees together and have them write a list of everybody who's, who's wronged them in their life, right? Everything, every time, anything, and have them write it all down and, and see how hard that is. Make bring back a lot of emotional and then just say, look, here's your, here's your day. You forgive them, throw it up, burn it, burn. Everybody get a 55-gallon get drum <laughs> and put it in there and burn it up, right? Now you're done, right? Um, those are little things that you can do to, to really, to kind of help, you know, overcome this. Um, the negative physical effects that it has on your body is real if we don't forgive it, right? Um, the other day I had a contractor call me and say... Um, Hey, Paul, uh, I didn't order two of the windows that were supposed to have been ordered 16 weeks ago. <laughs> and so I, I paused for a moment. And he was waiting for me to yell at him. And, and I said to myself, I said, what is this? Right? Yeah. Bottom line is I need these windows. They weren't ordered. What am I going to do? Am I going to chew him out and, you know, drop a lot of four-letter words for what? Mm-hmm. Right? And you can say, well, you're not standing up for yourself. For what? I mean, really, for what? What would I do that for? And I see people do it all the time. Right. I hear people do it all the time. I said, how, how'd that work out? Right? So instead, I heard this guy's voice on the other end. When I didn't chew him out, he's like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I said, oh, it is what it is. Let's 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 figure out how to do it and, and improve from here. I got a guy. who can get him in three weeks. So, uh, right? And that's, that's all you can do. Right. Because otherwise, you're going to be sleepless nights thinking about this guy, how he wronged you. You know, and and again, where is that negative energy going? It's dragging you down the hole that you're going to be stuck in. So forgive is the only way to unlock and release the person or situation with which gratitude uh, can bring it. Remember, the, the universe works by law, not by chance, in my opinion. There's no coincidences. The people that show up in our lives are there for a reason. They don't show up to punish you, but it's often to teach us, right? We want to be grateful for everything. This means forgiving ourselves and for all the supposed mistakes and imperfections. You know, one of the things is to, you know, I think we're our hardest on ourselves a lot of times, right? To try to look in the mirror and just say, I forgive you, right? That's why we have a first step, right? For for all the times you messed up for me, you know? It's like your poor body is sitting here saying, Why'd you do this to me? You're like, Look in the mirror, right? Just say you're sorry and let's move on, right? But that's, If we can all do that, the world would truly be a better place. So um, the last one, again, is really pulls it all together with finances, and that's the gratitude, right? Is if you want something, you need to give it no matter what it is, right? Again, having a great role model with my father, uh, he gave when he didn't have much, right? He gave and always Illustrated to me to help other people with not only your money, but your time and talents, right? And possessions. You know, um, a lot of times as humans, we are reluctant to do that. Oh, they're just, you know, I can remember when I used to work downtown DC, I would pass, uh, you know, an individual who was struggling on the streets and, you know, he'd ask for money. Um, initially, when I first started working downtown in the 2000, I'd give him a couple bucks. And then over my life, you know, for two, three years, I changed. I kind of it was a little hardened. And I was like, oh, he's just going to go buy drugs with it, right? Or go buy alcohol or booze or whatever it may be. Um, but that's the wrong way to think, right? You need to give no matter what, right? It's not up to you what he does. You're not going to go control what he or she does with that money, right? You hope. Maybe you give him some food. Hey, let me go take you to the grocery store and let's go pick up some food rather than give him the, he or she the money. Right, those are different ways to approach it. But I, I look at my own life as initially, you know, you come out of high school, college, and you're you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to help everybody. So you give the money. Then all of a sudden, you, life hardens you, and you don't give the money because oh, they're just going to go abuse it. Right? Then you go into the revelation in life where you know it's it's not about you trying to control them. Right? They're going to do with what the money they need to do in their best interest. You're just giving. Right. And those are laws of the, of the universe, in my opinion. Right. Um, and so, again, just to, to, to kind of encapsulate, encapsulate this, the key, the five key laws of the law of gratitude are we need to change our thinking to see an abundant supply. Right. There is enough to go around. The second one is we need to find the good in every situation and be thankful for it. The third one is we need to be practiced living in the present and being grateful for what we have right now. Number four is forgiveness. And number five is to demonstrate gratitude and to give. Right. Give what you want. So those laws, in my opinion, become before a solid financial plan because you can put finances together. You can make millions of dollars. But unless you have this knowledge, I think you're going to go forward and you're going to spin wheels or end up doing wrong things with the money that you've been given. So, those are kind of my few thoughts for the day. I think you still have a little bit of psychologist in you. <laughs> trying to get that Porsche still. Right? <laughs>
0: now that was awesome. I mean, it's so much deeper uh, than, than just the financial aspect like you're talking about. I mean, you could have a, a serious... Uh, tragedy happen in your family, and then it just—if you don't have this core foundation, then it's going to ruin whatever other aspect, if it's finances or your marriage. So, it's uh, it's quite the deep topic that you dove into there. But that was wild. That was awesome. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah, I wonder um, why we're going a little bit longer. I'd like to expand on something you said that I thought was interesting, and just kind of see what your philosophy is on. The idea of being a financial advisor or, or, or a coach in whatever um, role that you might take in someone else's life. But um, you said, you said avoiding pitfalls. And, um, and I think about that all the time as a parent of young children, like, you know, don't touch that. You Be careful you're going to fall if you do that or you're going to fall over. But then you said some of the best lessons you learn are from those pitfalls. Yeah. So kind of wondering, um, I know with finances, you've, you do want to make sure you don't, somebody's going go to go into financial ruin because that's really hard to recover from over over a period of time. But um, the idea of giving somebody enough rope to maybe ding their knees up a little bit, but allow them to the, give them the tools to recover, like where do you think that fits into some of the stuff you just talked about?
2: No, it's a great question. You know, um, with kids, you know, your first kid, it's their glass, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and and now with the rest of the kids, like if, if they fall, they don't even get up and go tend yeah. to them, you know, because two <laughs> minutes later, they're out running around again, right? you know, blood streaming down the knee, you know, in the financial world, uh, I would say some of your most successful individuals have either gone bankrupt or, or lost their fortunes once or twice. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I would want to associate with. You know, um, I've had my struggles in my life, uh, you know, um, And thankfully, I've learned through them. You know, Uh, I would say that, again, getting to know the individuals and building that foundation and allowing them to uh, be able to receive certain amount of responsibility to then develop that skill set within themselves is key. Right. So, you know, as leaders, we need to delegate. Right, the worst leaders are the ones who don't delegate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's I see it in various organizations, and it's it's really sad. And again, you know, look, you want to have your finger on the pulse of everything, you want to have you know all the pennies, you want to count everything, but at the same time, you're going to go crazy. You're, you're going to lose it. You've got to delegate effectively, and delegating to individuals and allowing them to have you know the ability to to spend more and budget and save. Um, not only on a personal level, but through the business is key, right? That's how the organizations grow and that's how the individual will grow, right? Uh, And then ultimately, coming back to the the laws of of gratitude, right? If something happens and it goes south, that's why we forgive, forgive. right? It it all works together. It all works together. But, um, you know, people also, going back to one of your points you made about, you know, when you said – hey, somebody sees something, somebody has something that they may want, you know, the blue collar versus white collar thing. Um, some people in life don't want more. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That is what is. There's nothing wrong with that, right? People, Other people strive and want to work, you know, 23 hours a day. And, and that's just their chemical makeup, right? And so it's, if we don't, again, understand who these individuals are and, and what their personality traits are and their strengths and weaknesses are, then, again, we're going to, like I said, you can't get mad at them when you know who they are, mm. All right. Some people just will never be good at money management, and that's that's okay. Guess what? They're going to have a phenomenal skill set in something else. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that answered all my Yeah, thoughts. it does.
1: Yeah, I, I have all kinds of questions. You do not? But, yeah, I think about that sometimes. Um, so, you know, I've gotten to a point in life where, like, the summer vacation planning one of the things I don't feel like I have to worry about as much as is, is the cost, right? we have got, we've got money. If we want to go on a trip, but not there's no, there's a limit, but if we want to go on a trip somewhere rent a house, we, we can afford that. So it's really like, okay, where do we want to go? When do we want to go? What's going to happen? But i think about that sometimes. Like if I show up at a, at a rented house on a beach somewhere and I see a group, a family next to me that maybe had a totally different experience of how they got to that house, right? They had to script and save. They had to cancel something else. Uh, they had to borrow money from their in-laws or whatever it was to get to go on this vacation. But at the end of the day, we ended up beside each other on the beach. Both of us were out playing with our families and having a blast. Yeah. Did any of that stuff you know, really matter at right. the end of the day? And I, I think about that all the time because I think kind of going back to the, the mindset of who am I? Yeah. You know, At the end of the day, we both wanted to go to the beach with our family and be happy. And we found ways to do it. Yeah. And ultimately, I think that's really what matters. It's not some of the other stuff didn't really matter or the other stuff that you had to fight and worry about before that that'll still be there when you get back so
2: the idea of
1: being in the moment
2: you gotta be the moment yeah yeah. Yeah. you know it's sad is again we live in a society where so many things are bombarding us every day we're absorbing it whether we know it or not and then we make decisions based on this said information that's many times not beneficial to us or our families you look at what's happening in America right now, you look, look at the, look at the beltway inside the beltway right now. Right, you got take an average family right now. Right, they're they're probably making four hundred thousand dollars. Right, two spouses working, probably at least making four hundred thousand um, dollars, scraping by every month. Right on four hundred thousand. You're like, how is that possible? <laughs> right, you've got a nanny, you've got daycare, you've got private school, you've got transportation, you've got taxes. Right scraping by right? and, and nobody nobody realizes that so again not pitting people or regions against regions but you take somebody inside the beltway and you take somebody in, in uh, rural West Virginia right you know the same couple making $400,000 and they'd be the you know one of the wealthiest people around mm-hmm. right uh, in, in certain rural counties um, but they're no more happy than the individual that may be residing in that set county so but it's it's just the what's important in their life, right? So going back to your point, you know, you both got to the beach. So maybe this family from this the Beltway and this family from West Virginia. I don't. I'm not picking on West Virginia, right. mom. In case you're listening. My wife's. And look, there's another story I do have to touch base on about the law of the universe. But uh, you ended up both at the beach, right? And and everyone's there enjoying it. You just the priorities are different, right? And. Again, financial budgeting goes back to prioritizing what's important in our life, right? Is it are we being sold this whole? I'm not going to call it a fake life because many people believe it's real and important to them. Is you know living inside the beltway and having all these things, or is it is a is it a better life to live more simply? You know, and you know, to each their own, mm-hmm. right? It is what it is. But um, yeah, I'll leave it at that.
1: That's a great answer to that. Yeah,
2: Thank you. Any other you want to hear? It? No,
0: I like it. <laughs> just keep going and going. I think the most important thing is just that constant curiosity. If you're always mm-hmm. thinking like you were just saying about that story or about this whole application, where does it apply? How does it apply? Then that's that's going to at least continue to put you in the right trajectory Yeah, be a good leader in helping.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I listen to all the time is that quiet voice, right? You, you know if people are religious, they can call it the Holy spirit. They can call it, you know, your conscious, whatever your subconscious, but you have to be open to it. Right. I talked to, I talked to some people about, um, dreams. People, I asked people when they lose a loved one, I said, have you seen your loved one? And they're like, no, I don't dream or something along those lines. And I said, well, you, one, you need to be open to that, right? You need to see your loved one when they pass because they will come visit you. Um, Likewise, if we don't listen to this inner voice we have, we're going to miss out on some of life's greatest opportunities, right? To to point us in the right direction, to create that drive for new opportunities, right? Um, little things, you know, preparation for this talk. You know, I would have these little things just come to me in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh shit, I got to get up and go write this down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to forget it. But it's you. you People don't tap into this energy. The energy's free, and, and maybe they didn't have the best explanation of it up when they were younger. Um, but it's it's there and it's real. And uh, again, going back to those those laws of gratitude, it's what can really improve our society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: I like that. The last point you made maybe it kind of made me think about one of the releases I've found for myself over the years. Um, I've I've written a couple songs. And it's become, but it's like what you're talking about. Something would just, just hit you. And with that, with something like that, with a real creative vibe like that, if you don't start writing right away, it is gone. Yeah. It's, it's history. And, um, that's been a neat, neat coping mechanism for me. Just, you know, it's a kind of a, a release. It's not normally in my wheelhouse to do something like that, but it kind of came to me. And, but it was there, but the, the most, the songs that I've written that have had the most impact on people who have heard them have either come from some amazing thing. Like one of them was when my, um, I guess when my nephew was born, like the first immediate family member that had, somebody had a kid and then, uh, you know, loss of life was you know, another one. Mm-hmm. And those two things were things like you said, I could have been really excited about and celebrated some way. i been really upset about and, and acted another way, but instead found a way to channel that stuff into something both of those turn into something positive um and lasting yeah. which is also kind of cool that, yes. that stuff is around and that stuff doesn't go away but hey if you don't if you don't strike I could have said I don't know. that's great I'm not going to write a song about that you know could have easily done that yeah. and I would have missed out on a whole bunch of other opportunities to share that with someone else which would have been really unfortunate
2: yeah uh, that's that's great I think music is such a way to tap into our inner strength and our, mm-hmm. and our hearts and um you know, after my dad died in 2004, I thought I was going to be the next Johnny Cash until I hurt myself one time.
0: Like, oh, This guy's awful. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man. You know, one of the other things, though, that we can do, uh, again, collectively as a team or, you know, family or employees, what have you, is not only on that forgiveness level, writing that down, but asking individuals, what is your dream, Right. Because if you don't see your dream, you'll never get there, right? And your dreams can be small. Let's say um, you want to buy your first house. So you're working in a cubicle. I worked in a cubicle in my first job. And you put a picture of the house you want to own right up there. And you're looking at it every day. And your mind is absorbing what that house looks like, right? Every day you go there, you're spending 10, 12 hours a day there. You're looking at that house. The likelihood of you buying a house is probably going up exponentially, right? So whatever it is, you've got to visualize it, and you will find a path to get there, period, right? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. That sets in motion all the other things that are going to fall in line, right? I remember getting out of the service, and, and, and that's all I wanted. I wanted to have a place up in West Virginia. So, you know, I put a little picture up there and said, "This is, this is what I'm going to do. Right, and you know, within I don't know, eighteen months, two years, like I did it, right. And you, you constantly have to do those things. You have to visualize it um, and, and communicate it to yourself and others. So people can hold you accountable. So, I was just going to go on another tangent, and I'll stop.
0: No, this has been really fun. This is a different, completely different direction than I thought we were going to go in, but it is so much more applicable again to the entire uh, aspect of life. So. I think this is great for leaders and people to, to think about. I, so that's Wes Hopper is who you're referencing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah he, he again yeah, I, I wish I could go hug the person who gave me this to, this to me, but you know, one of those, that's how these best things come in life. Yeah. It's just little mysteries, but yeah, Wes Hopper, uh, com, h o r n c r e e k H O R N C R E E K.com. And he says, you know, look specifically right here. Um, use this, redistribute it. It's free. Um, uh, Give it away. Give it to customers. You just can't sell it.
0: Cool. We'll, we'll plug it into our show notes so everyone can take a look at that and, and that resource is there. So that, that's an awesome one. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming great. on today. Thank yeah. you all. Thanks nice to meet
1: you. All. Thanks for coming along with us for another episode of the Healthy Team Healthy Business Podcast. We'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at Healthy Team Healthy Biz. That's B-I-Z. You can also find us on Facebook under the same name. You're welcome to send us a message on either one of those applications, or you can send us an email directly at TeamDudes at HealthyTeamHealthyBusiness.net. We'd love to hear your feedback and requests you might have for topics or guests. Please feel free to send them our way. If you would take the time to give us a rating or a feedback on your favorite podcast app, that would also be much appreciated and quite helpful. Thanks again for following along and sharing your passion for health with all of us.